Carolina. And today I'm super excited because not only do I have a wonderful friend as part of the program, but she is also a colleague and an amazing healer. And the bulk of her work is done with animals. Not only does she work with the owners, but she also helps us understand the role that our animals play in this incarnation that we are all experiencing at this time. And that is an important um, thing for us to understand. We've got to become aware of the role our animals play in our lives. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one and only, the magnificent Tammy Billups. Thank you, Tammy, for being with me today. Good morning, Lina. How are you today? I am super, super excited. I am so glad that you are here and that we get to be um, having this wonderful conversation because although I've known you for a very long time, we don't normally get into the nitty gritty of our spiritual journeys. So as I always start with everybody, share with me, share with the audience, what what was going on in your life or at what time did you begin to realize that there was more to life than what you had been taught there was like when things began to to the questioning the the curiosity began to happen inside of you when, when was that yeah that happened in uh the turn of the century right before um and my mother had been diagnosed with uh stage five melanoma cancer and through her death really you know I mean she was told she might live another year or a year and a half and she'd always known she'd always had a fear all of her life which is interesting that she would have cancer and she always had a fear of the uh, radiation didn't want to go through that chemo process you know a lot of people go through that and didn't want to do that and so she was always quite clear that that would not be a route for her and even though they had said it would be a year, a year and a half, um, it was six weeks. And, and during those six weeks, being the responsible, the responsible one in the family, I flew out, you know, and kind of managed that process. And I was the one talking to the doctors and I was the one lining up things because mom had always been uh, the one to take care of things in the house. I mean, she and dad had been together a long time, but through her, through those six weeks, I, you know, I had no spiritual background before that. I had no religious background before that. There's a blessing and a curse with that. You know, I didn't have a connection to anything that was greater, didn't have a belief one way or the other. And my mother started talking to people on the other side. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And hospice gave me a book to read called Final Gifts. And I started reading that book while I was out there, you know, with her. And it had story after story after story of what could happen. And mother was like a one-on-one case, you know, and I was just a student of the process. And when she would say, I was just talking to so-and-so and I knew that that person had passed, I would just look at her and say, oh, so how is she? And tell me about her. And that just, it was kind of, for me to go through that process. And I became, gosh, just so focused on learning about something more through that process and came back to Atlanta after helping dad through the holiday. She died on the 20, it'd be 20 years on the 28th of December this month. And after helping him, I came back and, you know, I had been very close to my three animals uh, but we had always all been sick. 
all the time. Mm. And I, even though I was very into my career, travel a lot, climbing ladders and whatnot, making tons of money and came back and had this whole different perspective on life and something bigger and greater. And, you know, all of the, all three of my pets then passed at six, eight and 11 years within months as I went through kind of a zero to 60 spiritual awakening. So that's when it happened. That was your original question. It, that's when things started clicking for me was through her passing. Oh, wow. That is that that is so amazing. Well, that's how it happened for me is when my mom passed away in in 2002. Like you, I really didn't have a, a, an awareness of the unseen world. All all I knew growing up Catholic was you. I'm a sinner. And when you die, you go to hell. No matter how much good you've done, that that fear of of going to hell was there. So when my mom passed away, even though in the process, my youngest sister and I were there when in, in the when she took her last breath and we we could feel, you know, the, the essence of who she was leaving. Mm -hmm. And that felt natural. However, after all the hubba bubba around the the her passing and the sisters infighting and the it, it was a crazy, crazy time, I began to feel once once all of that, you know, the death and the settling of estates and blah, blah, blah took place, I began to feel this terror, this this fear of death. And I began to realize that I was afraid of me dying and going to hell because I knew where my mom was going. I mean, I knew her life so well that she was a sinner. She was going straight to hell. That began my journey into, uh, you know, the spiritual journey. It 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 activated this wanting know, to know what else is there beyond this physical world and what I have been indoctrinated to believe. So it sounds like um, that's just the, the path that you and I um, needed. So how now, you know, 20 years into your, your journey, how do you put that story, that experience in context as you're helping other people who uh, are going through the death of their pet or the death of a loved one, what do you say about that death experience now based on your personal experience? Well, it, every, every death is a, is, is a new beginning. I mean, it goes hand in hand. It's impossible for it not to bring a new beginning because even though that, that ended up being uh, one of the worst years of my life, it was absolutely the best year of my life. And like anyone, we build a muscle with going through experiences. And of course, the first time we go through anything traumatic, it's uh, more fearful. Yeah. There's going to have more fear in the center of it. There's no way around that. So I'm I'm always going to, to be able to hold that higher space and perspective for my clients as they're going through any life changes, knowing that, you know, whenever we can relate and I can relate to most of what my clients come in with, not everything, but but a lot. And that's OK. I like it that way. Um, be able to help them get to that next level and hold space and accept where they are. I think that I think acceptance is a superpower and being able to to look at anyone and accept where they are and know and trust that they're going to be fine. You know, but I would say with most of my clients that are going through that, I'm going to be holding that space of um, understanding where they are and helping them be able to release the fear so that they can get to the other side 
more quickly. Well, and isn't that just a beautiful example of what this whole journey is about? Because I have come to realize that this spiritual path is a, is always that transition of dying to the old self and allowing for the new that is emerging, whether it's emerging from a physical death or it's emerging from, you know, the death of a, of a letting go of a habit or the death of a of a belief that I had or the death of, of a relationship because God knows I've had plenty of things that have ended. And like you were saying, the first time is the most fearful one. Mm -hmm. So yes, acceptance is such a, an incredible superpower. I know for me, it's a source of incredible peace now that whatever is coming is like, it's just another piece of the puzzle that is emerging. Um, how do you help? Uh, oh, let me say, Bill is telling us hello. Hello, Bill. And Jay Marsh is saying that he and his wife are watching, but they're not in a place where they can hear. Oh, hi, Jay. So, yes. yes. So uh, they can definitely catch the interview later because it's going to be on Facebook. So you're not missing out on anything. You can't hear it right now. Um, but hello to those of you who are who are with us right now. Um, but speak more to how do you use your awareness of acceptance as a superpower in your day to day practice with your clients who maybe are not going through a death transition, but are going through life changes? Well, they're going to be there's always going to be room for um, holding space for healing. So, you know, teaching acceptance a through myself, <laughs> because acceptance you know, acceptance of others is sometimes much easier, right? And, you know, for some people more than others that we can accept where they are, how they are, even when you can't relate to them, which it's always easier to, to accept everyone when you can relate to something about them. It's harder when, when you can't. But accepting ourselves where we are and accepting us where we aren't, that's where the real growth comes in for many people. You know, so, so my clients that are coming in, you know, are frequently, and especially if they're calling about their animals, it's frequently at a pretty fearful place. And probably, I put a number on it, maybe half of the client calls I'll get, maybe not that much, are when they're nearing, you know, the end or in that last year or whatever, and they're looking for anything that's going to be able to help them. And I realize that that another great gift I have is to come in with that place of compassion and peace and hold that space because I have been connected to so many animals when they're transitioning or right before. And I see what happens on the other side and it's a beautiful divine transition of life. And what a gift that is to know that so that I can bring that peace into my clients and guide them um, ever so gently as they're going through those times to know that they can, um, that they will all be okay. Yeah. They might even be together again. And that this too shall pass and the pain will not be too much for them. A lot of times they think that losing this beloved, cherished, only possible unconditional love in their life will be too much for their psyche to bear instead of holding space for them to have this wonderful transition and coming from a place of gratitude for their animals. It's all good. You know, we evolved to get to that point. But of course, we're going to be fearful if they're the only love in our lives. So oh. animals have taught me so much. So I kind of got off on the animals there, but they, they, they are such great teachers. 
they are such great teachers. And so I, I, my work is not with animals and, but I've come to the place, even though I haven't been with uh, too many people that have transitioned since I began my spiritual journey and became more aware of our eternalness. But I've come to a place of realizing that that transition is really truly a new beginning. The soul is getting off the merry-go-round that I call this lifetime. And they're taking a little break until they decide to hop, hop back on it whenever they want to and in and, and whatever gender they want to come back in and whatever sexual orientation they prefer, whatever color they want to come back in, whatever country. I mean, it doesn't matter. We get to pick from the other side. All of this is just a, a fabulous merry-go-round. Um, but until you learn that, the, the death process is scary. But take take us back because you were talking about before your mom's passing, you, like me, were climbing the corporate ladder. And if you're climbing the corporate ladder, it is about how much money can I make? How much accolades can I acquire? Can I accumulate? Look at me. I'm so fabulous and wonderful. Look at my achievements. To go from that external world of materialism to the internal world of spirituality where you're, you're dealing with metaphysics, you're dealing with, with mysticism, with ethereal things. What helped you shift from the material to the non-physical world that you are such a, a beautiful example and an essence of one who has achieved alignment with that? Thank you. Um, well, a lot of healing. <laughs> a lot of healing. I mean, if I go back to that time, I mean, my my awakening was, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people's awakening stories and and I definitely had that zero to 60 awakening where all of a sudden I could see energy and see into different dimensions. And at that time, I didn't think I was crazy, but I didn't know what to do with it. And I was also being shown and experiencing simultaneously all of the memories that I had repressed from my childhood from the abuse that I had experienced. And it was like someone turned on the light and I had all of these memories of horrific abuse. And of course, I'd been sick. Of course, I hadn't let people get close to me. There were all these reasons that now I could find compassion for myself as well. But I really sought out help. And I went to a lot of people one time <laughs> until I found that person that was really safe. And I, I can't really express the, the importance of finding and committing to someone to help you with your healing journey enough because I did find someone. And initially I was going twice a week and then it was once a week for many years. And I even joined a group uh, that she had for five five different women we were in it that were all had a lot of abuse in their background, especially sexual abuse. And we, every Wednesday for three years, I was in this group. So I cannot, you know, focus on that more or really highlight uh, the importance of finding someone to help you raise the hood and look underneath, because if you don't, it's going to continue. You know, I mean, we can think positive thoughts all day long, but if our subconscious is, is not yet healed enough to hold the vibration of what you want, then you're going to continue being in struggle and, and transitioning from the corporate world, you know, of having hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, you know, to going to, I want to do what I love. It had, you know, there, yes, there's a side that, yeah, I miss it, but I, I miss that part of it or the, the luxuries of it, but I do not miss anything else about it. It, it served a purpose and I could, I'd like to think that even while I was in corporate, 
um, I was still fairly conscious to be supportive of those around me instead of being competitive. And, and I had one of those offices that everybody came in and they could tell me their troubles and they know that they would be not judged and accepted. And so transitioning into becoming a healer was like, oh my gosh, I get to do what I love now and not make it just about the money. Life-changing for me. And, and I know that I'm blessed in that I, from the first time I laid on someone's healing table, I sat up and said, I want to do what you do. And I know that doesn't happen for a lot of people where they're still, what, you know, what is my purpose? What is that? Um, and so I'm really, really grateful in that. I had that awakening because I've always had that personality that once it comes through clearly, and sometimes it takes a minute or two or a year or two or decade, but once it comes through clearly, I'm, I'm full speed ahead. It's like, yes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so I would say it was easier for me to transition because I knew what I wanted to do. And um, you know, I signed up for the four-year certification to learn more about the way that I see energy so that I could better interpret it, so that I could help people get to the root of their emotional wounds so that they can feel better and allow in these insights and a new richer life as well. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you're saying. And it's so similar for me. And and it's it's different for everybody, but there are some similarities here because that journey for me was very, very much like yours. I was on that corporate ladder and making all that money. I was a realtor um, and very successful, really good at it. But I was also the realtor and the person in the family that people would come to, the front neighbors would come to for advice and help. So when I began that healing process, and I want to talk a little bit more about yours, because what you said was just such a beautiful metaphor, is you began to heal all of the stuff that was inside of my psyche, that, that emotional, those energies that were stuck in my emotional field, all that pain from the past that had to be addressed, had to be worked through. I always had that compassion for others. I just had no idea that it was it was one day going to be the thing that I was being called as my purpose. Mm -hmm. But when I got the calling that my purpose was to assist others, I began coaching and, and helping others right in my office, right, right in my real estate office is where everything began to happen. The workshops that came to me to teach the power of awareness, I taught them at my real estate office. My first clients were were realtors and I knew, oh my gosh, yeah, this this is the path that I'm going to be moving into. And it took me a couple of years before it, it wasn't real estate um, driven in terms of it wasn't just realtors. It was other people that I was working with. But something that you said that I want to highlight, because one of the things about this program is I want people to see ordinary people like you and like me, how we have worked through what we've got going on. How is it that we have managed to do what you said? And this is a profound thing that you said. The light got turned on. Each of us had moments of awareness. I, I had an encounter with a creator that turned on all the lights. And when you turn the light on, in essence, you get to see what is going on you see all of those dark places within you. It's like the analogy, which is kind of a gross analogy, but everybody gets the point. We don't know there are bugs in the kitchen until you walk in in the middle of the night and turn the lights on. So I turn the light on 
and I saw all of those creepy crawlers that were in me, my fears, my judgments, my resentments, my, my grief, my pain, my, um, my shame, all of those things is what came up. Speak more to the process, if you can put it in a nutshell, because I believe that everybody goes through a very similar process you begin to realize that there's healing that needs to be got to be done and then you dive in into the healing and the healing is always a version of those childhood experiences or at least when we were younger it could be you know doesn't have to just be childhood some of it could be young adulthood but speak to how do you see that process if you were sharing with let's say somebody is watching that doesn't know what the spiritual journey is about how would you explain that process of the light turning on and then looking at, at all the creepy crawlers in there? <laughs> Not a lot of fun in the moment, <laughs> but I quickly saw value of it, you know, in it because I felt better. And, and I, because I was on a lot of medications before that I had had tons of surgeries in my thirties and was always had some type of ailment because I had pushed down and not healed any of my stuff. So once I began healing, then it took me about a year or two. And I was able to come off of all of the medications that I thought I would be on for life. Wow. And so, which was just incredible to me. And whenever you have an experience where you can see the value in this, and let's not get into the medical world because don't get me going in the medical world. No, no, no. We you won't know, go there. I'm not going to go there, but I mean, there because it serves a purpose as well. And I and I honor it. Uh, and it did serve a purpose for me to get to me to where I was. And I'm grateful for that. But there are these other ways that we can heal that are going to go to these places that we need to go to. And it takes developing internal parenting skills to hold yourself through it. And sometimes that means initially for me, it was this person that I went to for a long time. And I think she probably was ideal. You know, I probably was projecting some ideal mother onto her as well, because I hadn't had that type of, of uh, you know, role model in my life to, to know how to develop internal parenting skills so that you can hold yourself through going to those deeper places that you need to go to. And it doesn't have to be as bad as what you think it might be. We have fear that comes up that just, that just is so automatically prevents us from going to those places or keeps us busy where we're not looking at it. Or, um, I mean, we just do these automated resistance that we don't even realize that they are, but having an intentional healing program, even if it's a daily meditation, even if it's yoga or anything that you do that connects you to a higher source, because there's where the yummy energy comes through you that through your whole system, that's going to bring light and shed light on these areas of yourself that maybe you don't even know are there. And sometimes you don't have to know what it's about when you're clearing it. You know, sometimes early in the, in the process you know, I hadn't cried. I was, I was not a crier. I hadn't cried for a decade. I was always the grounded one that, you know, people could count on to be grounded. And, and then after, after that first year or two of that romantic period of my spiritual journey, and there is a romantic stage of our spiritual <laughs> journey, I was not only an ecstasy more than I had ever been and feeling love in a way that I didn't even know was possible before feeling you don't know what you don't know till you till you know it or feel to you know what you don't feel till you feel it and so knowing that we you know are going through that and we can feel these higher vibrations motivates us more to know that we will uh, can go to those 
you know, hold space for that darker part to come up as well to deal with the shadow part and enlist, you know, enlist help when you need to by professionals. We aren't going to dump our stuff on our friends and family. I don't, I don't recommend that, which is what will happen when we're not awake. But going to those places and knowing that you are resilient enough to get through it, you have everything within you to get through it, and that you will be better for having raised the hood. No, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, analogy. We have to raise the hood. We've got to, to look at what's underneath, what has been suppressed. So let me come up with an analogy that's one that I use all the time because I don't know who's going to be watching this that may be going, what are you talking about? What are you healing? What dark things? What suppressed stuff? Yeah. Because if people would have said stuff like that to me, and I, I know some did, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't have anything suppressed. I don't have anything, right. you know, that is unhealed because like you, I had a mask that I had it all together. Mm -hmm. I was not a crier. I was too strong, too powerful. I was just too together to, to express that I was, I had a, a sad little girl that had felt abandoned inside of me that, that I didn't have the words, the languaging or conscious parents who helped me process through the the emotional upheavals in my life so i didn't know how to address that but the analogy that i use is of a seesaw so i'm going to use this ruler to show my analogy so we come in and every single one of us when we operate from our optimal level we're operating as a child from the light of who we are this is what the world sees and if we don't learn how to deal with the day-to-day -day experiences that have us feel like maybe we're not so amazing, so wonderful. We're not the apple of our parents' eye. Little by little, that seesaw begins to shift and we begin to lose our ability to remember that we are magnificent and wonderful and we are joyful. Life experiences begin to turn us upside down and we begin to think that I'm less than, I'm not good enough, I'm, nobody wants me, I've been rejected, I've been abandoned. So what Tammy is talking about looking underneath the hood is a willingness to look at how did we lose our light? How did we begin to, to create these masks, this pretense? Because I was a very happy-go-lucky girl, and I began to become such a people pleaser, such a, you know, I, I was going to do whatever I needed to do so that you wouldn't abandon me because my darkness came from feeling abandoned. First of all, I was rejected when I was born. I was not a boy. My parents wanted a boy, my dad specifically. So I grew up hearing for the longest time that they came up with my name because it was actually a Russian boy name. So I was a girl with a boy name. So for my entire life, I was the disappointment of the second daughter, not the son that mom and dad wanted. So for me to turn on my light, I had to look at everything that had made me feel less than. So it, it's a process of, you know, turning myself right side up. And to me, the, the seesaw analogy is what I use yeah. with my clients because we come in on top of our game. Every baby is the expression of pure love and joy and innocence. And how do we lose that through life experiences that we don't have the languaging, the maturity, the ability to address appropriately. And then we little by little create the mask, the shell, the cover up for that disconnect inside of us. And then we've got to turn it. We've got to be willing to go look at how did I lose my light? Well, we got to look at what made us feel darkened inside. And that's that's my story. And I'm sticking to I it. I love that. That's beautiful. That explains it beautifully.
<laughs> so anybody hearing that yes we've got to go in there and do the it's a reclaiming it's a reclamation the excavation is a reclamation of our light so that it can be turned on so you do all that work how did you then translate your own personal healing to doing healing work with people and their pets <laughs> that was by accident <laughs> <laughs> There's been so many things that have happened that, that, that have never been part of my of my 3D plan or what I thought I wanted for my life. But uh, as you sit back and allow to, to observe your life and and trust the process, everything kind of comes through. So so I knew that I wanted to work with people. I've always known, you know, that if I you know, I'd wanted to be a psychotherapist or I wanted to be a healer with people. But learning and seeing these five core emotional wounds that I'm able to see in people's energy fields and which defense pattern that they might be that might be up for healing, be it betrayal, abandonment, um, to gosh, don't don't let me go through the five. But I wanted to try and see whether or not it would how how this type of healing would work on animals. And I tried to find someone in, in Google it and, and find books around these five core emotional wounds and, and animals. And I didn't see anything. So I started asking friends if I could try to do sessions on their animals. And I could see these same type of defense patterns within animals. If they've yeah. been abandoned, if they've been betrayed, if they had invasiveness, if they were had terror in the background. And then the most fascinating thing to me, which is what really juiced up you know, a lot of my path is that if I could see within the animal that what was up for them was this defense pattern of abandonment and it was showing up by them overeating or separation anxiety or however that shows up. When I'm talking to the person, I am seeing the same exact defense pattern within them. Yeah. And so they are mirrors for each other and how we describe our animals, we're describing a part of ourselves, and they are these fabulous teachers that Source uses to help us heal. And especially if you're an introvert, if you're highly sensitive, you know, person and you're, you're, you're not that social, then animals and nature are going to be used even more for teachers in your life. Because we know that people will call in people that are mirrors for us to heal parts of ourselves, you know, for triggering different things. But animals can do the same thing. And not every animal is walks in your life and is this warm and fuzzy lap dog. You know, they are exhibiting behaviors that are trying to show you some part of yourself. So that started gosh, maybe 2001 or 2002 and I found that fascinating that I'm working with the animal and I'm saying, well, they have congested energy in their hips and, and I'm talking on the phone with them because I do my distance sessions with animals on the phone. And, and the person will say, well, that's weird. I just had hip surgery. <laughs> yeah, I think it's connected. And then it just became this other fascination and thousands of case studies and documenting things and writing books about them. And, and so that we can help those of us who are introverts and highly sensitive and get closer to our animals that have been these fabulous healers for us do not want them to carry our stuff for them, for us. And once we become aware of that and you heal together in tandem, it's a game changer for, for both of you. Yeah, that is so powerful. So, yeah, you have written a couple of books. What are the titles of your books? 
Yeah, Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions is the, the first book. And that does go into detail around the five different profiles that animals can hold with these emotional wounds and how they might be showing up for them, what physical manifestations it might be. And yes, there's going to be a lot of mirrors. So the whole, the entire book talks about that divine connection. And the next book is Animal Soul Contracts, a shared, uh, shared evolution. We'll forget the subtitle. It's coming out next April uh, 7th. And I'm very excited about that because that talks about the seven types of soul contracts that we have with animals and how they might be showing up in your life and how to utilize them for your mutual healing. Let's talk about soul contracts because I did not understand any of this until I started this spiritual journey because the journey opened me up to the unseen world. Before I had this opening to the unseen world, I only believed and trusted what I saw. And the, you know, people came into your life, they either made you happy or they pissed you off. That, that was it. They either brought something to you or took something away. Um, so it, it was almost as a very relationship. You're constantly working to either retain it or discard it. At least that was my experience. And then I enter the spiritual journey where I begin to, to open up to the unseen world, to, to know that there is source consciousness god creator whatever you want to call it my, my whole idea of god shifted completely yeah. and then i began to realize that every one of us not only is the soul but we are all part of one system that the god system expressed in all these different ways as you as me as blades of grasses as cats and dogs and birds and trees and planets mm -hmm. so Talk about soul contracts, because that was really a very important part of my healing journey to heal my feeling rejected as a baby that I wasn't wanted because I was a boy or was not a boy. Rather, um, there was a soul contract with with my dad that later on I began to realize that gave me a huge piece of of um, opportunity for healing that has helped me define who I am today from my spiritual perspective so speak to how do you teach about soul contracts yeah so i will tell you that that how i initially found out about soul contracts at all was reading michael newton's books back in maybe 2001 2002 which show that higher picture of our soul's journey that's the name of the book soul's journey and uh, your soul's destiny and then robert schwartz's books also your soul's gift and your soul's plan those were game changers because that was how I was seeing energy. So soul contracts are when to, we have these higher self, these higher aspects of our soul that are kind of planning our soul's journey and our interactions. And I believe based on what I've seen in the past 20 years that we are absolutely planning everything in our lives for our soul's growth and for the growth of those around us, of course. Anytime we grow, everyone around us grows, right? And, and so the fact that we've got these, these agreements as well with animals, I felt was pivotal, especially for the animal lovers to really learn so that they could utilize their relationships with their animals at a higher level, because then you can get out of the, just, you know, I get those calls all the time, still, they're on the counter, I want, you know, can you help them get off the counter all the time, or they're not listening to me. Those types of conversations then go away because you realize there's a higher purpose in every single interaction that we have and certainly including nature and the animals 
And how, how, for example, do you ever have clients that resist that understanding that everything has a purpose? Because I know for me, being my type A self before my spiritual journey, I didn't want something planned in my life. I thought I was in control of my life and nobody was coming in to teach me a lesson. Um, right. I didn't sign up for that. How do you get people who resist that? And then how do you help them open up to the idea of the benefit of realizing soul contracts? Um, yeah, I, I first take people where they are. Yeah. Because if, if someone isn't, isn't, isn't ready to hear that, they're not going to hear it, you know? And so I, I, I teach this in every single class because that question comes up every single class of people who can see it in others and want to really help them get to the next level and and how do you do that kind of thing and so i a come in with i'm not attached to the outcome <laughs> if i say any if i do any seed planting but i want absolutely now i have a book where i can you know they a lot of times they've read the book and that's that's the seed planter um, read this chapter or try this because sometimes people can read it and hear it a little bit more so i will definitely take every situation as unique and individual but I will offer up, well, isn't that interesting that they've also got this, but sometimes I'm going deeper if the person I know is more aware on their intake form, I can usually tell how awake they are or what level of their spiritual journey they're on. It's all good. But sometimes I will absolutely go there and say it would be helpful if you're both working on this particular issue together. And here's what you know is coming up. I see these during my sessions, these are what I call soul chat room bubbles. And I'll see their their higher selves a lot of times, you know, in total bliss, of course, and explaining to me how they coordinated this experience that the person had called me about for their growth. Yeah. And a lot of times they're worried about having to rehome an animal or let an animal go. There's so many difficult situations that come up because we are we are in charge of a life, you know, just like two-legged children and and with animals, we have to make that ultimate choice, which is um, very difficult, obviously. It's not a choice that's not a good day for anybody when we when we get to that point and we want to, we, if we come about it from knowing that we have these soul contracts and that they will let you know uh, when it's their time and that you can honor their life in a different way, it's gonna be just a game changer to realize that there is this higher perspective to your relationship Yes. And, and as you said, it is a game changer. My journey, not only did it begin to make a lot more sense, but there was actually a speeding up in the healing that I was experiencing when I began to see everything as an opportunity for me to to heal something. Um, and the healing is is a return to wholeness. It, it was a, a looking at where did I create a story in my childhood that I was less than than how I was, you know, creator created me to be because that that experiences that I had with other people either reminded me of my wholeness or was an opportunity for me to begin to create a story that I'm less than whole just because I'm not a boy. Um, but as a student of the Course in Miracles, uh, one of my favorite lessons in the course is that everything is a lesson God would have us learn. Not only did I have to develop a relationship with God, because the God that I was taught was kind of a fickle God. It was sometimes it liked you, sometimes it didn't. And sometimes if it didn't like you, it turned you to stone. So I had this this idea of um, a God that I was not going to go to and let alone have it be in charge of lessons for me. 
it was like, no way, Jose. Um, so I had to cultivate a whole new relationship with the creator. And be, I had to educate myself in the understanding that all, all religions um, had a start in some human created that religion. Just as Buddha didn't start Buddhism, he was Hindu. And Jesus didn't start Christianity, he was Jewish. I had to begin to develop, cultivate a relationship and come to the place of realizing that everything is created by a benevolent energy. This consciousness that is benevolent, lovingly has expressed itself through all of us. And in our unconsciousness, we have done things that are hurtful to one another, not because we're hurtful people, but because we didn't know that we are loving beings. So that that assistance in, in the soul contracts was people basically coming into my life and putting up a mirror in front of me. Mm -hmm. Am I being the presence of love or am I being the presence of hurt? And that began to really accelerate my journey when I, I like you were saying, taking your clients and take everything as an opportunity to see, you know, where are you at? That that pet is actually holding up a mirror for you. Yeah. In in your the book that is coming out, what are some of the wonderful tips? And I'm gonna sneeze. So if I sneeze, just everybody forgive me here, please. Um, but what are what is a tip that you're giving people that we don't have to wait till April to to know about that would would assist us in moving through these healing journeys a little smoother? It's interesting because the first thing that popped up as you started to say that uh, there have been in in people that are more spiritually awake and especially with their animals they they have a belief that because sometimes it can happen that when your soul contracts are completed the animal will leave and so i've had people many people say i don't want to go there because i don't want to lose this ah soul in my life and i try to tell them that ever so gently that it is worth it because there are so many different levels of contracts we can get those deeper juicier you know heal the emotional wounds uh contracts completed but there are still all these yummy ones up to the pinnacle teachings that they're in our life to teach us and that it doesn't mean that they are going to say goodbye and if it does it won't be too much for you so i always tell them this whenever they pass was part of the plan your plan <laughs> They were part of, you know, devising the, the entire plan. So the fact that they're even becoming aware that there are animal soul contracts means that they have planned that in some ways so that they can learn about these deeper, um, these deeper teachings that they have for us. And it's been fascinating. I did thousands of, of case studies and especially with the tandem healings that I do to be able to see when the person's awake and open to the teachings of the animals it's you can go you can go through the the deeper contracts more quickly so that you can get to those upper ones so that it is more yummy you know i look at my animals from my 30s and if i got asthma my cat got asthma if i got, if i got a uti my other cat got a uti we were that enmeshed yeah. because i let them in in a way i hadn't let any person in and the more we do that the more your energies are enmeshed and they can pick up some of the physical things that doesn't it's maybe 20 percent of the time that that can happen but it happens as well but once you get through that then all of a sudden my next animals my first those first animals that i had asked after my mother were six eight and eleven 
and after my dad passed, which was kind of is that your baby? No, actually, it's a it's a neighbor's dog. Oh, <laughs> chimes in just right now. My baby is sleeping right next to me. Well, that baby has an opinion. <laughs> but my point was going to be that you know after you know my dad passed. Um, two and a half years ago, both of my animals then passed again, which is interesting, isn't it? That I had my mom pass and animals, but those two and my dad, all of them had lived much longer, richer, healthier lives. And it was because of, they were mirroring that part of me, you know, all of a sudden my animals didn't have all of the physical ailments because I didn't have the physical ailments. And boy, is that rewarding. Oh, yes, totally. How rewarding. And I love what you're saying about, you know, the, the soul contracts, not only because I see this in people with my 12, 13 years of working with with just humans, um, but the soul contracts, just because you see the darkness, it doesn't have to stop there. I have had specifically with my son, Spencer, I got to see so much of my darkness because of his drug journey and the ways that he was using drugs to to numb him, his pain. Well, I was using shopping to numb my pain. I was using other things to numb my people pleasing to numb my pain. So he was able to help me see mirror back for me the ways that I didn't want to be with the, the darkness in me. But it was in then him wanting to see the light in him, his willingness to look for that, that allowed me to look at more of the light that is in me. So one relationship can certainly show you both spectrums of that seesaw. They, it can help you see the, the brilliance in you because I saw him, you know, when he was born, he was a brilliant being, watched him become darker and darker and his process was no different than mine. Mm -hmm. The circumstances were different. We never said we wish we had a girl, but the circumstances, although different, were still diminishing the light that was in him. So as I began to see how my light dimmed by seeing his light dimming, then was the reversal process of how do we turn the light on? And both of us went on this journey of both of us reconnecting at whatever level of consciousness we're in. You know, we're both different places in the journey, but we're both still committed to to allowing ourselves to receive all the yumminess, all the goodness that is possible for us in these relationships that are beautiful mirrors, beautiful teachers. And of course, some teachers come and go. I've had my share of those um, several husbands <laughs> that came in to teach some beautiful, powerful lessons. And then one specific that that's it. We don't even talk anymore. Um, they're a relationship. Powerful, powerful. So what if you had to say um, is your primary practice to now that you've aligned to the truth of who you are, to that that essence, that wholeness, that godness in you, what is your practice to, to either stay in alignment or if you're like me, I come out of alignment, but I know how to get myself back. What are some of your practices for alignment? Yes. Um, daily meditation is is necessary yeah. i'm a big meditator and that helps me and i also do am a big believer in being connected to our bodies and having daily movement in some form or shape and and catching myself when the self-talk happens i mean that's that is possibly one of the most powerful things for me and for many others is that when you begin to 
to develop that observer self where you are catching yourself when your reactions before you actually verbalize whatever it is that's up for you and you catch yourself in the self-talk and are able to get to that higher perspective of what's happening in front of you or within you, that's going to be a, a very valuable tool. So that's one of the things I use a lot is observing myself and maybe going to journaling or reading or trying to, I mean, affirmations have worked for a lot of people and sometimes they work for me, but I really like to go deeper into different readings to keep my perspective up and surround myself with people who I think are just rock stars and continue to learn and grow from them. I will always continue to know that everyone around me has gifts for me that I can bring into my level of awareness to make me a better person. So I really do very intentionally look at every person and being an animal that comes into my life as having something that I can learn from to, to progress my evolutionary journey. Oh, that's so beautiful. The yeah, cultivating that witness to, to the chatter in the head, that to me is very advanced. If somebody can, can what I call it is be the presence of awareness that is aware of what's going on in, inside of you. Um, that's a pretty advanced thing because if you can be aware of the chatter in your mind, you don't know what you're operating with. You don't know, um, you're not aware that you're a choice in reacting or responding. So that is definitely a very important part of my practice is that alignment with the presence that is aware of am I in, in my wounded little self reacting needing to protect myself or am I coming from my my higher self, my soul self that that is in alignment with source and knows that I don't have to defend or protect myself. Mm -hmm. um, I just need to be my authentic self. So that that is so beautiful. And meditation, yes, was such a simple thing. My gosh, I resisted meditation for the longest time. How did you come to enjoy meditation to to cultivate a practice that um, that is sustainable for you? I tried a lot of different ways. And here, in fact, I have a class that I'm going to be doing a webinar in January. Hopefully start people out with the new year on cultivating a, a meditation practice because a lot of people think, oh, I can't stop my mind or, oh, I can't do this. But yet once you begin, and there's always resistance, isn't it amazing how we have resistance oh, yeah. to these habit changes that are healthy for our souls and our beings. It's so interesting how we'll get busy and, oh, I don't have time for that. And with Deepak, the first time I saw Deepak and he said something about that, I believe he quoted, um, he said, well, if you don't have time to meditate, you know, if you have time to meditate, do it 30 minutes a day. If you don't have time to meditate, do it an hour a day. You <laughs> <laughs> need to do it more, obviously. And I, I would say that develop, there's lots of different tools and tricks and different things that you can do that are going to help you more easily, depending on your psyche and your personality. So, I mean, be it a little timer reminder, you know, there's, I use the Insight Timer app a lot. Um, but I do absolutely, and I don't always do it at the same time every day. Sometimes that works for people. Sometimes I always do it my last five minutes in bed every night. You know, that's one of the times that I will meditate. And I think the big game changer happens when you start feeling it yeah. and you realize you don't have to do it perfectly. There's not a particular way to do it, but to just sit in the quiet and just drop into your heart 
And sometimes that's a guided meditation and sometimes that's just going into silence or having music. But once, if you could see the energy that I can see happening during the meditations, it's like a healing that's happening to you and a reconnection. So why wouldn't we do that? It's free. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't we do that? It, it's, it's a way to develop that self-love muscle. Well, and then, then you're saying another profound thing. Um, th this is a journey of self-love. I, I had to learn how to love myself enough to let go of my resentments and my judgments and my guilt and my shame and my blame. Mm -hmm. It was always a journey of loving me enough to not continue to think the worst of me. Yeah. And that's what meditation allowed me to begin to experience because I was cultivating the, the patience with myself to value myself enough to sit and listen because then then it turned from meditation to contemplation for me i was once i began to to move below the noise in my head i was observing these horrible things that i was saying about myself and others and that contemplation of what was what i was believing and thinking is what allowed me to realize that there was a presence that was observing that I then wanted to cultivate a relationship with a presence that was observing. And that presence was my ability to love. I had to love myself enough to sit there and watch how vile I was with myself and others mm -hmm. and then begin to like to choose to think differently, begin to choose to perceive the world from my loving self and not my wounded self. Um, so thank you for inserting that self love part. And oh, we could do a whole conversation just just on that in most of my deepest healing times when i allowed myself to do that deep productive crying where you're sitting and it's not just topping off and you're doing that deep and sometimes you don't even know why you're crying usually uh in my early healing it would be about me having that observer parenting voice that was saying i'm so sorry to how i'm treating myself yeah and once i would go to that place of i'm so sorry that's when a lot of the releasing would happen it's amazing what we do to ourselves. Oh, it's so yeah. much worse than what others can do to us. <laughs> and uh, yes, the power of, I'm sorry, the power of forgiveness is just absolutely amazing. So let's take the last couple of minutes and share what you've got going on. You talked about a couple of different programs coming up. I'm going to put on here your website, which is uh, www.tammybillips.com. And for those who are going to be watching this or not watching this, hearing this as a podcast, let me spell this out for you. It's Tammy Billups, T-A-M-M-Y-B-I-L-L-U-P-S.com. But share with us, Tammy, how how can people connect with you and, and what do you have coming up that we can register for? Yeah, I'm excited. I've got, I've gone to webinars. So I'm reaching <laughs> as many people as I can with help from Lina and many of my other friends that have been uh, ringleaders in this. So, um, so I've got a webinar that's coming up on January 8th about how to, it's in the evening on the Eastern time, seven starts at 7.30 PM Eastern. And it really is a 90 minute class on how to develop and really get that meditation practice to stick. Now I've got these webinars that are around these five core emotional wounds, and I'm doing a two Sunday one in January. I believe it's the 12th and the 19th, but they're on my website. And there is still room, there is a registration form to fill out. And of course, I've got my individual practice that I do globally. 
through the phone. And then I'm also got a new um, webinar uh, series for these seven different uh, animal soul contracts and how they show up in your life and how you can utilize the contracts to help each other heal and get to that higher perspective. And I'll be listing that on my website this week. Oh, very exciting. So basically everything that you do, people can find it on your website. Absolutely. And then anybody who's watching this via yeah. Facebook um, live, they can go ahead and just send you a friend request and follow you um, also so that they can find out what you've got going on. Because I know you use Facebook social media uh, yeah. a lot like I do to help promote what we're doing. Thank you. Yes. Very cool. So um, why don't you share with us your your parting thoughts, uh, your your words of wisdom. And if you wanted us to know one thing about this journey, whether it be about our animals, about ourselves, what would be that one nugget that you have gleaned from 20 year journey, 20 plus year journey mm -hmm. of coming to know that we really truly, there's so much more to us. We're so much more magnificent than we thought we were. What would be that bit of wisdom that you would like to share? I'd say uh, keep moving forward. You are so much more resilient than what you realize or that what you think. And moving forward on your journey, even during your darkest hours, because the spiritual awakening process is not just this honeymoon period that ends forever. You're going constantly back to another wound or another place or another pattern that wants to heal at another level. And so I would just offer you um, the amount of self-love that you would give your animal. Give it to yourself because that's when they're doing high fives, when they're getting on the other side and they're saying, I did it, she got it, she or he got it. And so give yourself that amount of self-love that will, that will give you the courage to keep moving forward and embrace yourself and your spiritual path as one that will bring you the most gifts, unimaginable gifts of feeling love in ways that you didn't even realize it. So I just honor wherever you are and and so grateful, Lina, for you inviting me on this today. It's been a great part. I am so grateful that you participated in for anybody watching this. One of the things that I have discovered through this journey is that everybody goes through six phases from conception to enlightenment. It looks different, but it's there's a there's a basic, almost like a hero's journey. And if you want to receive my explanation of that, which I call the soul's journey, just go to lineorlando.com and you can register for that free. It's a it's a uh, six part webinar, um, but it's a free series. And again, it's called the soul's journey. And next week for Align with Lina, my guest, I, I love her. She is amazing. Ursula Lenton, and she does incredible healing work. She loves the, the pranic healing work. Um, she's going to be a wonderful uh, resource also of additional information, not only for healing, but she is so open about her own personal journey, just as Tammy has been, just as I like to be, because we are all here to help each other return. Why? Because we're all part of the same one substance. We're all part of the same one energy that is calling all of us to come back into the truth of who we are. Why? Because when we return to being in the presence of love, we are going to shift this planet from being a planet of people um, seeking for love in all the wrong places and doing hurtful things to one another to becoming a planet of uplifters, of people who work together, who inspire and conspire for the greater good of all. So thank you, Tammy, for being one of those beings that has popped out of the matrix and you own the truth of who you are. 
and you so lovingly and beautifully share it with others. So thank you for being here. And I look forward to seeing everybody who wants to join us again next Monday at 12 o'clock Eastern time for another episode of Align with Lina. Tammy, thank you again. And I love everybody and you guys have a magnificent week. Bye-bye. Thanks.